Well, hello, little boys and girls. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. This is episode 11. I cannot believe we've already made it this far. I'm super excited to share today's guest with you. Her name is Nancy Kang, and we go back to college, and she's amazing, and she works her ass off on the set of Nashville as a grip. She works with various films and TV shows behind the scenes and is a world traveler, and her story is truly unique, so find out all about her right now on The Archipreneur Now, and for all the show notes, it is www.artsynow.com forward slash 11. I also wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much to everybody who got on iTunes and took the time to leave me a five-star review or write a review. I truly do appreciate it. I did get into the new and noteworthy section on iTunes, uh, which is extremely exciting because that was a goal of mine within the first eight weeks, and we got in at about two and a half, so thanks a lot. And I would love to hear from all of you, so just you know, get on there and leave me a, a review or send me an email and tell me what you think. If you love the show, let me know. If you think my voices are really creeping you out and you can't sleep at night, also let me know. That's amazing. So <laughs> whatever you do, just keep it heady. One of the saddest things in life is to get to the end and look back in regret, knowing that you could have been, done, and had so much more. Robin Sharma. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Then get on with your bad self. She works in film production. She works with music videos. And she works on TV sets, including the show Nashville. She's a grip. Master Flex, climbing the ladder of life like a boss, shining like a diamond in the big city of Nashville, Tennessee. Everybody give it up for Nancy Kang. Nancy, you are the entrepreneur now. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm great. I'm talking to you extremely excited to have you on the show thank you uh it's always a pleasure to interact with you and i think that this is going to be a a great time Uh, indeed lots of value and and lots of roller coasters of excitement so i'll try (laughs) before we uh get into the core questions nancy i like to start the show off with a little segment called the breezy threes the breezy threes are basically just so the audience can get to know your creative side a little bit. Uh, All right. So, I'm ready whenever you are. Just tell me when. When. What are your three favorite creative works? Uh Oh, by far, Tom Robbins, the author, not to be confused with Tim Robbins, the actor. <laughs> He's great, but Tom Robbins... Uh, 
the book, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, which was the first one that I read of his, and I've read all of his books, uh, probably the most influential. And uh, number two, Connor Harrington. He is an artist that combines old with new. Uh, just look him up. It's amazing. Basically, you know when you like a piece of art, when yeah. you don't get tired of looking at it. Yeah. And I think it, when it sold, it went for like 16,000 oh, wow. British pounds. And I was thinking to myself, I would pay 16,000 <laughs> British pounds for that. But for now, it's free as my wallpaper. Um, number three, Lasagrada. <laughs> sure say this right. La Sagrada Familia by Anthony Gaudi. When we were in Barcelona, he built, he's an architect um, who designed a cathedral in, I guess, not, um, I'm a spiritual person. So being there was probably one of the first times that just you are in true awe of, I don't know what, just this, it definitely puts you somewhere. That's crazy. In Barcelona? Yes. Uh, we were hitting that place up for, well, we were, we did a long stretch of work in Europe and then, um, as a treat to ourselves, we turned around Spain. So we hit Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Segovia, is that where it is? But uh, two big cities, one small town. The small town was by far, uh, you know, more appreciated, I guess. <laughs> it felt more alive, we'll say that. Well, cool. So you, you travel around Europe uh, doing work. Were you just doing freelance work out there? Uh, yeah, it was crazy because, long story short, uh, this is when I realized that I'm a firm believer in running away from your so-called problems, but, mm -hmm. you know, in a, to a light degree, I basically had, um, gone through a breakup, <laughs> broke up, I basically had gone through a breakup and randomly got in contact with a friend from middle school who I hadn't seen in over 10 years. She was doing a lot in Europe and I just emailed her and said, Hey, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just kind of the way everything aligned with timing. Um, she was working on a project, um, director of operations for a pop-up restaurant, um, which included food, art, uh, nightlife, gastronomy is insane. So in that sense, I was very blessed to be able to go and be a part of that project. And at the same time, actually live in another country without having to be a tourist. So Definitely. that was life changing. You got to travel. Oh yeah. Got to travel. 100%. It's, it's my favorite thing in the world. So it's, I can imagine you could probably sit down and write a book off your experience of doing that stuff. And you probably should. I actually did uh, keep a journal while I was there. Every day I wrote, I tried to write. If I missed a day, I would rack my brain. And even if I didn't have time and it just came down to, we ate here, we went there, we went to work, da-da-da. And, you know, sometimes I'll miss the finite details. 
between yeah. whatever was exchanged with people, but um, just because I forget and you got to remember these things. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing with like, you know, if you write something down, you'll, you'll get it done as far as like a to-do list. And I, I saw that if you, if you write your goals down, you're 42% more likely to accomplish them. So yes. writing down in a journal every day and you can go back and reflect on that really shows you the progress that you're making throughout the year. And it really makes you feel better and it makes you do more. Uh, it kind of yeah, lights that fire under you, you know, it's tangible progress. You visually see it. And mm-hmm. if you don't see it, Hey, that's there for you in the face staring at you. Yeah. It's awesome. So, okay. Who, who are your three biggest role models or influencers? Um, you know, you hear that question a lot, just in general. And for me, I couldn't really think of, I guess the instant go-to answer is a famous person or, you know, somebody influential throughout history. But honestly, for me, I mean, humans are humans and in private, they all have flaws, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but for, for me, it was with my, my family, um, definitely because I know them with their strengths and their flaws and you love them for that. I mean, my parents alone, you know, and a lot of people can relate to this in America. Now, uh, you have people who came to America on a thought with, I think my parent, my dad came here with 600 bucks maybe. Oh yeah. If that's, you know, I don't know if it's one of those, I'll walk to school in six feet of snow story, but you know, <laughs> He said he had to borrow an extra 600 to get here, something of the sorts. He got here, paid the 600 back, and he had $600. And um, he ended up studying to be, he learned to be a welder at Hume Fogg before it was a high school, uh, became a nuclear welder. He did that for 32 years. Um, and I guess the one thing I admire the most in him is his discipline unbelievable I just and that and him always they my parents were semi-americanized so they never drilled you know study 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 too much I mean it was scary to get a b come home with a b (laughs) (laughs) so in that sense it was kind of typical but um for him like the only thing he ever really drilled into myself and my sister was to always be a leader and at work, he's known as a doorbell because if you push him the wrong way or he sees that something's morally wrong, he's going to say something. And I guess in certain ways, I've been that way, or at least I try to be. Nowadays, I find myself being a little more quiet and just, I found that silence can sometimes be the best option. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. I'm I'm in both situations sometimes, so it's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you pick your battles, but, um, uh, yeah, my mom, my dad, my sister, my mom was always, you know, praising us, you know, always trying to point out what our positive attributes were. Um, she was the one who like drilled everything into us, like taking piano and learning Korean I'm Korean. <laughs> and as far as current influencers, honestly, my boyfriend, because 
when it comes to certain things, we are totally different. And it's good to have um, a thought voiced that you wouldn't necessarily think on your own. Yeah, it's fantastic to have peers and it's fantastic to have discipline and uh, the network that you can make through relationships is, is just huge. And, and family is definitely one of my biggest uh, role models in my life as well. So, right. Kang, do you have a bucket the, list? A bucket list. Ah, yeah. There are a few. Um, what? <laughs> I guess I realized some things that I've done are bucket list things, but I never actually wrote out a bucket list ever. I what guess more the- in passing, you're like, huh, I want to do that one day. <laughs> exactly. But um, I guess if I had one, I've always wanted to live on a farm, you know, just waking up, doing some work, making it's all on you, you know? Yeah, making this it happen. Gross, you don't eat. You know, <laughs> I love I love the garden, and I, I have one, and I just I love it. I don't think there's anything more uh, satisfying than than being able to grow your own food and eat it. It's just it's this weird feeling. I don't know, it but is. it's and awesome. You, honestly, um, I can't say that I actually do it right now, but I was driving in a neighborhood, noticed an older gentleman taking care of his yard, and. All around the perimeter, he just had these massive, massive bushes of, like, roses and da-da-da, all the sorts. In passing, I was, like, thinking, man, that's just a little too much visually. But then looking back on it, I was thinking, you know, he built that garden. And to him, it's something totally different because he's raising it, he's pruning it, he planted the seed, watered it, all that stuff. And I'm sure he sits in his living room or whatever room it is that faces out there and he's just watching it because that's his. And the way he sees it, it's beautiful. And to me, it might have been an eyesore for a brief moment, but uh, it was just a weird thought that I had in passing. But there is definitely something about planting something and watching it grow. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's beauty in everything, even if it's not to multiple people. Um, you know, someone will find beauty in something. Yeah, always. That's so important. Do you have anything uh, else on your bucket list? I'm pretty sure I would like to retire in a different country. Yeah. And I like to throw my phone away. <laughs> Can I go with you? That all sounds fantastic. Let's do it. We yeah. got a garden. We'll eat. Uh, we won't speak to anyone. <laughs> and if we're in a different country, we got to learn the language. And then we'll really, we really won't be speaking to anyone. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, you know, just what, 10 years ago before we were carrying around cell phones. And, and now I can't even imagine getting through a day without one. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. So many times I've thought I'm going to go back to a flip phone, but with the work that I do, you know, I mean, you know, people call last minute and if you don't return the call immediately, then the job goes to someone else. So got to have that. And then you're always in some crazy location. so, you know, and more and more, I was like, well, I have a flip phone, but it has to have maps and it can only accept email, but then it needs this and then it needs this. And then it's just kind of 
out yeah, the window. It's a never-ending battle. I've tried it. <laughs> uh, well, Kang, can you go ahead and tell us about what you do? What do I do? I, man, we all say this. When someone asks you what you do, it's just really hard to describe because the scope of what we do every day is always so different. <laughs> but um, essentially, a grip, you know, we're camera and lighting support. So if a camera or a light has to be in some crazy place or just level on a, on a dolly track, you know, we set all that up. And uh, lately there was an issue with safety on a set. So um, it was an unfortunate accident, but people did find a way to um, get something positive out of it. So now safety is a big issue on set. Um, and it's just nice to know that people care. Uh, when you start working with production teams, you know, a crew, if it's a short period, long period, you all eventually end up feeling like family at the end of the day because everybody's just working yeah. super hard and trying to have fun at the same time. What, but, what, uh, what is that like, uh, you know, working with the production crew? Like, what, what kind of hours do you work? Are they just, it's like freelance, you're on call, uh, you never really know when it's going to end? Exactly. You always know at the last minute. <laughs> yeah. I've gone to jobs where I had no idea who we were shooting, what we were shooting. I just knew I had to pick up the director and someone else. And that was my <laughs> job. And then when you get there, they'll tell you what else to do. So what's um, the what's the most difficult situation you ever found yourself in? Working? Yeah. Like uh, one of Currently I'm not I'm not a large feminist by any means, but uh Okay, I guess I am a feminist. <laughs> I'm coming to terms with myself on this show right now. Um, I guess in the department that I work with, it's uh, mostly men. But I am blessed to, you know, have this job where my boss was like, you know, he sees totally past that. Um, but there's times where I'm smaller and I'm not strong enough to do certain things. I definitely, you know, am the type of person that if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to do it. And yeah. so even though, you know, my arms feel like I'm about, they're about to fall out, I'll still pick up something heavy just to a lot of it. Sometimes I can be really competitive and it, some, sometimes it's just to show people that you can do it, you know, because you have to, people expect you to fail sometimes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just like proving people wrong. Yeah, I'm the same way. I like going the distance. It, it definitely drives me too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the people I work with are great. I guess it's just initially having to get over this hump to prove people, prove to people that you know you can do the work. But they're all cool about you know, and if I can't do it. You just ask for help and someone helps you and everybody's always teaching you. It's great. Yeah, that is great. Uh, so when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. And I still, and I still do it. I've always found that, okay, I'm just going to say it. 
when I was younger, when I was little, I wanted to be an actress. That's mm-hmm. what I'd always tell my mom. I'm be an actress. I'm be an actress. Blah blah blah. And you find that as you get older, you're more self-conscious, obviously. And I found myself not saying that to people because I was kind of embarrassed. It just seemed, I mean, and for whatever reasons, I wanted to be an actress. I was just kind of weird growing up. I didn't have a lot of neighborhood friends, so I just kind of talked to myself or made out (laughs) cooking shows by myself. It's really weird. But um, I guess the one point that I always wanted to make was that people shouldn't be ashamed of whatever it is they want to do because you would think a lot of people would be more positive about ideas in general, but you'd be surprised at how many people will shoot you down, you know? Yeah. And it's the ability that, that everybody, you know, is always going to have that fear in their brain in the imposter syndrome of who am I to be doing this? Why should I be here doing this? And it just takes that, you know, that kick in the ass from somebody that's real close to you to say, you know, why not? And flip to the other side of the glass. Right. And uh, it's extremely common and, and everyone goes through it. And I'm a firm believer that if, if you're really passionate about something and you're good at it, uh, then go for it. And if you can figure out a way to make money doing it, then that is what you were born to do. Right. Um, so, but for you being in that position where you're working around the film, you know, do you ever get the opportunity to be like an extra in the background or move into a scene at all? Um, it's funny how it all started because um, initially <laughs> I was watching America's Next Best Dance Crew on MTV. <laughs> I was never a person who grew up, uh, you know, taking ballet, tap, and jazz. Like, I just like to dance. And I saw that show, and there's a group on there, and I saw them, I was like, I want to do that. And I looked them up, and it turned out they were a big crew from UC Irvine, and there was 50 or 60 of them. Of them. And so, okay, I thought, what's the next best thing <laughs> that I could do here? All right, I'm going to look up a hip-hop class. And so I started going to a dance class here, and then there happened to be a talent agent who taught there, he signed me. I started doing extra work. Um, and I mean, in Nashville, the pool of very randomly, they'll need someone of Asian descent, you know, to meet their quota. <laughs> and uh, I was always that token Asian girl. So in that sense, that kind of worked <laughs> out for me. It was always like the same three other Asian girls at every casting. <laughs> hey, That's like your niche role. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... And you do play the stereotypes, you know? I played a violinist, all that stuff. Um, Anyways, that turned into me cleaning up on set one day. The director kind of called me out. He said, hey, put the broom down. But really, I was just trying to get out of there faster. And at the end of the job, he came up to me. He's like, hey, you want a job in production? I was like, "Uh, sure. (laughs) Why not? Very cool. Initially, I didn't. I don't. It's just weird. You never know where where things will lead. That's for sure. Definitely. Sometimes I feel bad because I feel like some things weren't so self-initiated, but other things, it's just, it's just kind of uncanny sometimes the way things work out. Well, uh, what would you think your ultimate long-term goal would be? Um, 
you know, I know you can live without money. It's very, very doable. Uh, for me, I'm just trying to make as much money. At this point, I'm like making money to travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I, I come back, work some more, go leave again. You know. Have, have you ever read uh, the Four Hour Work Week by Timothy Ferris? No. You need to read that book because he has invented this this uh, lifestyle where you, you do that. You you do that. You take these mini vacations constantly, and then you come back and you work four hours a week. And it's it's brilliant book, and his <laughs> methods are fantastic. And I think that you'd probably really enjoy it because that's all Definitely. he does is travel all the time. And then he's got a book out of it, and then I'm gonna read it and. Hey, that worked out great for him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, um, I plan on, if it allows me uh, to continue to work as a grip, because, I, I mean, I haven't, I'm still learning, that's for sure. And as long as I'm still learning, I haven't plateaued, I want to continue to do this work because it's a combination of everything that I've ever wanted uh, when I was younger, out of high school, I wanted to be a car mechanic, and my dad suggested that I go to college, so did that. But I still like working with my hands, so yeah, that's things. different. So, yeah, and it's just I like where I am right now. You know, it's rare. We say this all the time. We love our job, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to say that nowadays. Like and that's what life's all about—is finding that. So. Yeah, they're long days, but, you know, you'll be on the 10th hour with all these people and you're just like, I love my job. <laughs> yeah. Still love it. But well, that, That's awesome. And that's inspirational. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, looking sure. back, if you could start over, you know, what would, what would you do differently? Um, I wouldn't have, I appreciate every single type of people that I've come across in my life. Um, I was in, in, my mom put me in public schools and private schools. And in that aspect, I was always around different types of people mm -hmm. from all types of classes, whatever. And then I went to Hume Fogg for high school and there you had people all over from Nashville. Um, college is college. I think I wouldn't have spent too much time with some people. <laughs> There's definitely a lot learned by observing um, from a scope of highs and lows, east to west, you know? But I feel like at one point, I did waste a lot of time just going out, you know? And yeah, I'm, I'm the same stage, way. So. And Jim Rohn has a quote You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you would have told me that back then, I wouldn't have really thought anything, but looking back now, yeah, right. I mean, it's 100% true. And, uh, you kind of have to bite a bullet and, and get rid of a few that are weighing yep. you down and you can find more that'll pick you up higher than you think you can go. So uh, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So also, also it, wouldn't have gotten a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you could uh, if you could spend one hour creating something with anybody from the past or present, who would it be, and what would you create? 
Ooh. Currently, it would be a film. Yeah. Definitely. Who would it be created with? Um, man, for the way I envision it, it would have to be uh, Jason Reitman. I guess if you pronounce it like German, it's Reitman. Oh, nice. Jason Reitman. He was the director of Juno and yeah. Uh, thank you for not smoking. Smoking. So it is. Thank you, thank you for smoking. Smoking. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I've always, I don't want to be famous, but I always wanted to record one album singing just for myself. Probably wouldn't even let anyone else hear it just for myself. <laughs> With who? I don't know. Just come on up to uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and I'll get you on the <laughs> mic, and, and we'll go to town. I'll bring my headphones. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're so clear. All okay. right, Lexington, I'm there. Let's do it. Nancy, we are getting close to the 30-minute mark, so I'm going to go ahead and get into the closing yeah. questions, which absolutely includes the most exciting question of the interview. All right. <laughs> so if you had to battle Godzilla by yourself, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big bastard? By myself? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> uh, with my, initially, I would just kind of yell at it. And then, <laughs> you know, if I had, I didn't know I was by myself. If I was, you know, if I had some of my coworkers with me, you know, we'd build a green screen and just, I don't know, make Godzilla... A, a lover friend and you know they could just do whatever the green screen allows which is everything uh yeah i'd probably hell uh, you could probably tame him and make him your pet with a green screen exactly oh it's limitless yeah uh my initially i would just yell at it and then i would just sing to it and he would record my first album. <laughs> we wouldn't let anyone listen. So, so you're gonna you're gonna intimidate him and then serenade him into doing what you want him to do. Basically, and then I'll take him to work. And if I can't do something because I'm too short, then he'll get it for me. Yeah, and then just put him put him in the movie. Isn't that happening right now? Yeah, I think that that was probably. Um, the result it, of one of your days, I guess. Is it? Is it in film? I think it's, <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is Godzilla. Yeah, it is with the uh, home slice from Breaking Bad. So he's probably obviously gonna feed it some meth, and <laughs> it could either be very fruitful for us, or you know, Armageddon, whatever. Well, do you, do you have any favorite advice, uh, resources, or tools that you'd like to share with our listeners that you think they could find value in? Advice. Uh, mm, man. No, for instance, like if somebody wanted to get into uh, production or into the film industry, uh, how would they go about doing that? Oh man, I was thinking life advice. Oh, yeah, any <laughs> any type of advice. Any advice? Um, well, in life and in the production industry, because I've noticed that some of the people that we work with. 
didn't necessarily go to school for it. So I don't know. I just like watching. Sometimes I'm just I'm a, an observer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems that, you know, if you just know how to listen and know when to shut up, I mean, there's a time to talk and there's a time to shut up. That gets you pretty far. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with just a good old hard work. Fucking hell, man. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's another thing my dad always told me is if you're cleaning toilets, clean the hell out of that toilet, you know? Yeah. Do it the best <laughs> you can. Take pride in it. One of the first jobs that he had when he came here was cleaning out the inside of those massive, what is it? A milk, a milk container that like the semi trucks. Yeah. I don't know. He had to clean out the insides of those, you know, and it's just take pride in whatever you do. I've worked, you know, all kinds of jobs. And at the end of it, a job is a job, Mm -hmm. you know, when you start doing something day in and day out, naturally you're going to get tired of it. Make that shit fun. Yeah. Entertain yourself. Entertain everybody else. Everybody's, you know, <laughs> we're all doing it together. Make it fun. Yeah, my my father, uh, I was talking to him the other day, and he had, uh, you know, he, he's always worked the same job his whole life. He's never ventured out into any kind of entrepreneurial roles, but... He was telling me about a guy that he met a long time ago when he had first come over to the United States, and he had nothing, and I think he was from China, mm-hmm. and he was literally living in a Chinese restaurant kitchen on a cot with his pregnant wife, and they were working there and cooking during the day and sleeping there at night, and he did this for about two years, and he learned the ins and outs of that entire business from the owner. And he saved up all of his money that he made while he was there. And then he went and he opened his own restaurant. And he did exactly what he learned at the other restaurant. And now he's got chains all over the place. And my dad said it was just astonishing listening to the guy talk about his experience and how he looks around this country and he sees all these people that have so much opportunity, but they won't capitalize on it. And all he did was work as hard as he could and now he's making a better living than 95% of the country. Yeah. And it's just, it goes down to that hard, nitty gritty work and you have to have roots and you have to be willing to do it and never ever think that you're better than anybody else because you're right. not. And yeah, it's, it's, just, it's so easy to just, you know, you're just looking at people, you're already stereotyping them. There's always at least one piece of information that another person knows that you don't know. Exactly. And, I mean, it's you just can't underestimate people. That's that story's amazing. But okay, Nancy, we're we're running a little bit late here. So, I'm going to go ahead and and ask you if you've got any uh way for our listeners to get in contact with you if they if they have any questions about the production industry or if they just want to have a general conversation with you. Uh my email That'd be awesome. It is Nancy Kang, N-A-N-C-I-E-K-A-N-G at Gmail. Um, thank you for letting me do this because I feel, realize that everyone at some point should be asked these questions because 
I think this has done more for me than I don't know what it might do for anyone else. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. And yeah, the whole point of this is just to let other people know that we're all going through this stuff and we all yeah. have to battle the same, you know, battles. Right. And, and it's just, it's something that I feel like everybody can get value out of. Right. And, and the goal is, is just to spread the inspiration and, and really show people that it is possible to get over that imposter syndrome. And it oh, is yeah. possible to do those things that they think they cannot do because everybody else is either telling them they can't do it or because they just were raised yeah. thinking that they had to graduate and go get a corporate nine to five job every day and hate their life and take these vacations once every three years for a week. And if they take one any longer, then they're going to come back and get fired. I mean, it's just, it's not true. And right. you can, you can do anything that you put your mind to. And I really appreciate you coming on and contributing to Definitely. this cause. It exists. Whatever you want, it exists. You, we just have to hunt it out. Like tangibly it exists, <laughs> but thanks so much for this. It was awesome. I'm glad I got to be a part of this. No I love problem, what you're Nancy, doing. And, and thank you so much for being the entrepreneur now. <laughs> And Nancy, yes. always remember to keep it heady. <laughs> <laughs> like many things. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A-R-T-S-Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.